made it to hour number two of Sports Talk. I'm John Wilkerson with Jimmy Hyams. And it's our privilege to say hello to our good friend Vince Ferrara, who joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates hotline. And, of course, you can hear Vince's views uh, through this hour as he'll be with us until 5 o'clock. And, of course, his appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. Vince, how are you? John, Jimmy, doing well. How about you? Doing quite well. So uh, at what point did you stop sweating the decision last night for the Buccaneers at the Giants? Well, I you know, I kind of had a hunch that Daniel Jones, although he played awful overall, I mean, he did his best Carson Wentz impersonation for much of the game. I mean, just, just you know, handed out turkeys at Thanksgiving. He was handed out <laughs> interceptions and turnovers. Um, but, uh, but no, I just had a hunch that he was going to be able to, to do something late in the game. And then it obviously came down to that two point play. I was fine with them picking that flag up. That's not bias. I just thought it was simultaneous and, um, you know, you just don't often see the refs and such bang, bang, close calls, kind of like what Hail Mary's, you know, it just plays like that at the end of games. I think the officials sort of subconsciously know you know, hey, let's not decide this. And I think somebody else looked at it and and communicated down the line with him and said, uh, no, you may have gotten that one wrong. So um, I, I was fine with it. But, look, I, I think this comes down to uh, we need to, to slow our roll a little bit on on crowning the Bucks and putting them in the Super Bowl at home, you know, because of a, of a couple of, of strong performances. I, I – don't think they're I think they're a Super Bowl contender but they're not without flaws either Tom Brady Gronk or, or not so it just kind of just kind of reflected that a little bit and the Giants are a team that plays hard even though they're uh, you know an under uh, they have a you know a depleted roster no Saquon and they don't have a the best talent to begin with so you know ended up being an entertaining game but um, they hung up, so you take it. Survive the yeah, events. Sure, and it's got to be a different feeling to uh, to just hear your team at the center of conversations that are saying, who do you have as the best team in the N- NFC? Yeah, you don't often have or ever. <laughs> well, not ever, <laughs> but it's been a long time since the Bucks were, were in that conversation. So, yeah, that's, that's a, a good thing that they're even included in that, and it doesn't surprise me with what they added in the off season. And in overall, I think the defense has delivered to what the hopes were, but they're, they're not perfect. And, um, and so I, you know, I think, I think there's quite a few teams that have, there's, I don't know that there's a, a, the, the chiefs are the best team, but I kind of like the balance in, in what a lot of teams in the league are, are showing right now that are above 500. There's surprises. There's teams we expected, and um, and then obviously there's disappointments too. But you know it, it's shaping up to be exciting, and you know a lot of in, until maybe the the Chiefs in the end. I think there'll be uh, a lot of uh, close type of games with all those teams in contention for the Super Bowl. Vince, how do you think the acquisition of Antonio Brown will help the Bucks? I'm I'm a little uh, I'm a little uh, more conservative in what he can do uh, for the Bucks. I think there's some that think he is going to be a massive difference maker. 
we've we've been we haven't seen that Antonio Brown in a minute. It's been a while. It's not like he was just great, and so th- this is what he's going to flip the switch back to. Um, and there's plenty of things that could not work out for him, like the chemistry with with the team. You know, what if he doesn't get his catches and or targets? Uh, you know, what if uh, you know, he messes up off the field. I mean, there's just a lot of things that, to me, from a percentage standpoint, would pull against the Bucks having, you know, great benefit from the that Brown signing. And it didn't. It's not like it worked out in New England, and it's some sure thing. People talk when these things happen. People, you know, it's happened with Des Bryant and Josh Gordon. Oh, you know, you had an elite receiver to this group, and this is what it's going to do. Well. Well, that's when they were at their best and they were actually on the field. And, and so I'm skeptical that he is going to be a big difference maker. But the good thing is, is if he doesn't work out, I think they'll remove themselves from that situation quickly and it shouldn't uh, hurt them long term. They can sort of wash their hands of it. And I still think they'll be a Super Bowl contender if he doesn't make a big contribution. All right, Tennessee's got Arkansas this weekend, a, a big game if Tennessee wants to have a decent season, I would think. What do you think Tennessee does at the quarterback position? Well, because they're splitting reps, at least that's what we've been told, I, I don't see how they go any other direction than Jerry Garantano. Jimmy, if you're if you're going to turn the page and they're ready to go Harrison Bailey, you would give him the first team reps and let him catch up on what he lost, fully prepare, you do it with the first team, and give him the best chance for success over a two-week period. If they're splitting reps, guess what you're not doing for any of them? Getting them fully prepared. And I know it's practice competition. Jeremy Pruitt believes in it, and it has value. I get it. But if they had made the decision already, I think they would have done it. Or if if they are going with Bailey and they're splitting reps, then they're not giving that kid his best chance to succeed. Doesn't mean he won't succeed, but I don't think you're giving him his best chance to mentally and then with with the experience of practice, chemistry, all those kind of things. So that tells me the splitting of reps tells me that they, uh, I would guess, go with Garantano. The question is, Jimmy, what do they do if things go bad with Garantano and he's turning the ball over and they have to go to the bench? Do they go Maurer or do they go Bailey? I don't see Shroud in the mix. Uh, Maurer is not a long-term answer for them anyway. Um, so that then that's the thing. Is Have they seen enough from Maurer and he's healthy enough to where if they want to give Bailey more time, they go to him first and then you know, maybe save Bailey until you know, you're know you more prepared, you feel like he's uh, better prepared for that role. Um and so, but I, I that's what I expect. I don't know who they would go with number two. Might just depend on the situation. If the offensive line can't stop Arkansas's pass rush and the quarterback's just getting destroyed, maybe they say, well, we'll wait on Bailey. And just we can't see practice, so it, it we don't get a chance to sort of form our own opinions on what we see in addition to what you hear about how they're doing, plus we don't, you know, there's very limited in the info this year in, in what you get uh, from those practices. So 
I, you know, I, I think it's just a matter of who's done better, how far Bailey has come along with all the, the extra reps they're, they're giving him. Do you have an opinion on who they would go to off the bench if they do start Garantano? No, because I hadn't watched him practice. I, I don't right. I have any idea how Bailey's done. I don't have any idea what Mauer's done. My guess is if I had to pick somebody right now, I'd say probably Mauer because he does give them some athletic ability. He can run. If he gets in trouble, he can take off and run instead of throw interceptions, maybe. So, But I, I don't really know uh, what they might look at. I, I'm also curious about are they going to play a lot of young guys? Is Mervyn Joseph going to get more playing time? Are some of the young receivers going to get more playing time? Or do you think they stick with uh, what they have been uh, rolling out there, which is mostly the veteran players? Well, the fact that Jeremy Pruitt talked a lot about Keyshawn Lawrence and getting him ready and moving him to another position at that star tells me that they are open to lineup changes. And that's consistent with what Pruitt has done before. I mean, we've seen him play a lot of freshmen. Uh, you know, it's I, I did a blog on it earlier this year. I forget what the number is, but he played like 18 last year. All but one of their freshman class played a game. And, you know, this year they don't have the restriction because it's a free year. They don't have to worry about red shirts. So um, I think it's just a matter of those guys not being ready as quickly as they normally would in other years. So the fact that they're working on Keyshawn Lawrence to try to get him on the field, and my guess is that they probably think that he's one of their five best defensive backs, and why not with the issues they'd ha- they've had at that star position, um, then, um, then he should be more open to giving guys increased roles. But if people think that Jeremy Pruitt is just going to go youth movement to prepare for the future – like, you know, I hear some people say they want them to do. He's not giving up on the season at two and three, not at yeah. Arkansas, and not right now. He's he's about winning games now. Uh, so uh, that youth movement stuff, it, it's, you know, it's for the bird. It does not prove it, in my opinion. You're a youth movement. <laughs> <laughs> You're for the birds, too. <laughs> Our guest is Vince Ferrara. His appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. To join the conversation, 656-9900, star 990 is free. For AT&T and U.S. cellular customers, the toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. More with Vince coming up as you listen to Sports Talk on 99.1, The Sports Animal. Sports Talk continues with Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, as he joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. His appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. Tennessee gets ready to jump back into action. The Volunteers play at Arkansas Saturday night. It is a matchup of two and three ball clubs. Vince, what do you think is uh, Tennessee's – do you see anything that you would point to as a strength for Tennessee going into this game? Um, gosh, I, what's supposed to be their strength is their offensive line, but I don't know that I would view it as such going into this game. Arkansas has done a nice job defensively, and Tennessee's D-line I think has been one of the biggest disappointments on the team. Not that it's the biggest issue on the team, but we had such high expectations for that group and thought they would really be able to lean on it and they'd get a lot more done offensively. 
this year because of the offensive line. It just not is not materialized. And, you know, certainly I understand a lot of the preseason, the contact tracing was one of those positions that was hit the hardest along with the secondary and uh, some of the wide receiver as well with guys being out. I get that. But at some point you have to show that the more you're practicing and playing that you're getting back on track and we haven't seen that progression during the season. So that's where it's really concerning. And uh, so I, I don't I don't know that they have an advantage at quarterback. I would certainly I would take Felipe Franks the way he's playing right now over Garantano. And it's interesting because those two have had some similar criticisms. They were both highly recruited. They're friends in the recruiting process. And uh, I remember media days. Uh, I don't know if it was last year, or the the year before. I think it was going into last season where uh, those two were kind of compared and talking about each other some. Um, you know, Tennessee's got two good running backs, but I don't know that they've produced the explosive plays that Arkansas has in the ground game. Um, Arkansas is turning teams over as good as anybody in the league and in the nation. Tennessee is not turning teams over this year. Just their interception rate is way down. Um, you know, I just I, I don't see – as strange as it is, thinking how bad Arkansas has been with their losing streak and what we all thought of them this year, if you watch them and you flush what you knew about them before and then you flush Tennessee's win streak before that, interesting that they both stopped around the same time, Tennessee's win streak and Arkansas's SEC losing streak. If you flush all that out, Arkansas looks like the better football team to me and they're playing at home. I think they're playing with a lot of confidence. Barry Odom as a defensive coordinator, as he's one of the candidates for assistant coach of the year. I think they, if they'll have a solid scheme. And they're, you know, what he did defensively against Mississippi State has laid the groundwork for everybody else to defend Mississippi State the same way. And, and by the way, how bad does Bo Pelini look when he played man defense against Mississippi State, and they were just run up and down the field defensively. And then everyone with what Barry Odom did has been able to to completely shut down Mississippi State while Pelini continues to have his defense with a bunch of four and five stars give up all kinds of yards and points and, and LSU having a terrible season. That is a bad look for Pelini and LSU right now. But I, John, I don't know where those advantages. I mean, I mean, experience of the coaching staff because Sam Pittman is still a young coach, I, I guess. Um, you just don't know how beneficial working on the fundamentals of the open week will be for Tennessee if we see a, a brand new team against a lesser opponent than what they finished out with. That maybe they do look more like they did against South Carolina and uh, and Missouri at the beginning of the year. If so then that should be that could very well be good enough to win that game. But if they if they don't look at least that good, uh and they look anything like they have in their their last ten quarters, uh they're they're gonna get beat at Arkansas and that's a lose lose for Tennessee. I don't think a lot of people are gonna give them a ton of credit if Tennessee wins that game because it's like Kentucky. You should always be Arkansas in the minds of many, regardless of what their record is or what Tennessee's record is. That's just, I think, a lot of fans' expectations. So if they lose to them, man, it's it's going to be rough. Uh, and 
Uh, and then and then you have to follow up with Auburn at A&M, Vanderbilt, which should win even playing bad, and then Florida as well. Then you're looking at a horrible losing record this year, and then a lot of serious questions will need to be asked even more than they are being, are being asked right now if Tennessee loses this game. No doubt. Arkansas has played hard no matter the situation of the score. That's That's been prevalent from the time they went out, went out and opened against Georgia. But uh, mm-hmm. it really was a rough outing. While the, I, I think the final score for A&M and Arkansas was a little bit closer than the game actually was because it was 14 fourth-quarter points. But mm-hmm. do you think at some point the fact that Arkansas has so much work to do on its roster that will catch – with the Razorbacks as they sit at two and three could easily be three and two, depending on what gets officiated and what doesn't in the Auburn game and how it's officiated. But uh, do you think at some point, the fact that they are playing from behind in just talent and roster, do you think that catch ups to that catches up to Arkansas this season? You know, John, if they had a couple of losses in a row coming into this game where they started strong and now kind of reality is starting to hit I think you could you, you could you know make that you can make that assessment perhaps in that theory, but I mean they had a strong game against Ole Miss prior to that, um, you know kind of a shootout, but that's the way Ole Miss plays, and I think Arkansas has shown that they can play in some low-scoring, grinded-out games, and and they can play in some shootouts as well. Uh, A and M's a, a really good team that beats everyone other than the elite of the conference. That's where A&M has had its issues. And so, the, you know, they beat up on everybody else, and they're you know, definitely the more talented team, and I think they have things going overall uh, better than a, than a Tennessee does. So I think long-term, John, yes. We're not talking about a, any above 500 type of team or a contending type of team, but I don't know that – just yet that that reality is hit. I think a lot of that depends on Tennessee. I think Tennessee can can maybe send them in that direction if we see a much more improved and efficient offense that doesn't uh, that doesn't turn the football over. And another thing that's a little bit scary for Arkansas, and we talked about it, Jimmy and I, and, and the, the guys on the Sports Source did. Arkansas does a lot of the things that Tennessee's opponents have done against Tennessee and had success. You know, and the slants that they run, powers, they do a lot of things that the Tennessee's had difficulty defending. And so I think they will have a really good game plan. And um, it seems like that team is playing inspired for Sam Pittman. I think that that can, to, kind of to your point, John, I think that can have a, a show, a, an expiration date, you know, and really, you know, playing hard and inspired for your coach. Eventually, I think talent in the long run will bring you back to reality, and then you gotta you gotta bring the dudes in and coach them up. But I don't know if just yet in Game Six for Tennessee if that's where that expiration date hits for Arkansas. That's Vince hey. Ferrara with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. Vince's appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. We'll get a break. We've got more with Vince coming up. 656-9900 to join us. 656-9900 puts you on Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal. Pretty Eastern is the kick in Fayetteville. How do you see it playing out between the Volunteers and the Razorbacks? Okay, I think it's going to be 28-23 Tennessee. UT to get the win, 28-23. to 23. 
All right, Odell, thank you very much. I'd pay cash money for that to happen with no questions asked. But uh, we sure do appreciate your listening. Congratulations on getting through. Good luck with your prediction. Good luck with the drawing, and have a great rest of your week, all right? Thank you, sir. You too. Go lost. All right, thank you. So here's how it works. We have Odell's score. We put it in with all the others that we'll take throughout the week. Friday afternoon, there'll be a random drawing. If Odell's is selected, and indeed, Tennessee wins at Arkansas 28-23 Saturday night, courtesy of Ted Russell Ford, he'll be the owner of a brand-new Ford F-150 of $45,000 value. Listen for your next opportunity, your next cue to call, to score a Ford. That'll be tomorrow morning, hour number two of the starting lineup. Jimmy? Vince, uh, going into this game this weekend, what do you think the mindset is for Arkansas versus the mindset for Tennessee? Well, they are, you know, as John kind of alluded to earlier, Arkansas is coming off of a loss, but they bounced back from uh, the longest losing streak in the SEC since Vanderbilt. So uh, if they can shake that off to bounce back with a win after that, I think they can shrug off a loss to, to Texas A&M. Uh, I think it's probably in a better place. I mean, you're looking at a three-game losing streak for Tennessee. Um, it, you know, and and the way it's how different it has been uh, from what we saw in the in the first ten quarters of the season. I mean, it's really it's the great divide for Tennessee season. It's not just two wins and three losses. It's two wins in a first half versus a, a, a versus a second half in two games and two losses, um, because that's when the turnovers started and they've never been able to reel it back in. Is an open week going to be able to to do that? Uh, we'll see. I, I think that'll be it's a it will be a big test on this coaching staff. You have more time with the with the players. You are able to get into do tackling and things like that. Henry, too, you talked about that yesterday and how you know they're doing tackling drills and and all the missed tackles that they had. You know, Pruitt's at 23 in the Alabama game, and they've missed a ton of tackles this year, especially those linebackers and frankly the secondary as well. Uh, so yeah, uh, if if they if the coaching staff has two weeks with these players and they're not in a better mindset to to bounce back then then that's a problem um they don't have the most talented roster with elite players to sort of will their way through but you still need to come out of this in a better spot and and so i'd still with that unknown i would give arkansas the edge in terms of a mindset tennessee had trey smith eric gray henry toto meet with the media anything stand out to you well, Eric Gray, he he was interesting. One thing he talked about was that they had a meeting sort of like they did last year where he said they sat down and talked about that this is our team and we have to change the culture and we have to, you know, get this right and he thinks they're they're going to to do it. And I like his I like his mindset. I like his positivity. He doesn't throw people under the bus. Um, he he gives you a lot of of coach speak for a player, um, but he's just trying not to say anything wrong. He's trying to stay positive, and I think generally that is that's the way he is. So not knocking him for it, but the fact that that and that's good that they had that that come together meeting and say all right here let's draw the line let's get this right. But if they're talking about culture in year three and having to fix that, 
that's a little bit of a concern to me. Um, I know there's been a lot of turnover in the staff, and maybe that has given them some steps, steps back in terms of getting that culture right. You know, as Kelly Harper said when we talked to her, culture is not something you just check the box on and say, all right, we're done, we'll move on. It's always something you're working on, culture and chemistry. So I get that. But, I, you know, for you to, to get to the point of, of discussing that and having a, a meeting uh, and having to work on those things, that, that's not the best sign. It's one thing to, you know, hey, let's, you know, let's clean this up, let's get this right, things like that. Uh, so that that was a little bit of a of a concern to me, and then the other thing was Trey Smith talking about to his standards. He hasn't played to his standards. Not like he's being graded out bad. Although, you know, as John Pennington pointed out in his great numbers on the Sports Source this Sunday, he, he Pro Football Focus has him as the number thirty five graded guard in the nation. I mean, he's a he's so much more talented than those numbers, and that's not gospel. I get it; it's only one one part of the total equation. But he's been their best offensive lineman and their most consistent. But he hasn't played to I think a lot of people's expectations, including his. And he's that's his standard is to play much better. And and the way he phrased it is, be the most violent guy on the field. And we've seen Dre Smith be that at times you just wonder why uh you haven't seen it more more often and again that could all come back to you know the lack of chemistry uh with so many guys missing time during camp and um you know maybe they had a chance to improve that chemistry with the five and go with it during that open week let's go to the phones and talk to roger you're on sports talk hello roger Mm -hmm. Uh, well, hey, hey, Don Jimmy, how y'all doing? Doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing, I'm doing fine. Hey, Vince, hey, Vince, how you doing, Vince? How you doing? Doing well, Roger. Trying to stay warm. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Thanks for. Uh, it's good to have you on here, Vince. I enjoy you. I enjoy you hearing you on here. So it's good to have you on here, Vince. On here. Thank you, Roger. Today. Appreciate it. Good to hear from you, too. Well, thanks, Vance. I just want to ask you, Vance, about the game, Vance. Uh, Vance, I've heard uh, some people saying it's, it's the most it's important game. This is the most win, Tennessee. I heard uh, I heard uh, somebody say that. I just want to ask you, Vance. Uh, Vance, do you, do you think it's how important this game? I know that some people think it's an important game. It's a huge game because of to get back to win, but uh, to you, Ben, is, is this a must win? I heard some people say it's, it's a must win. It's an important game. How important, Ben, how, how important is, 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 is this game for Tennessee to win? How important is Tennessee to win this game? For you, to you, well, Roger, for you? Roger, if this team expects to be at least 500 this year, I think you got to get yeah. this game. Uh, so if you if you win it, then you're at 500. You have Vanderbilt, who is. You know, I talked to the radio show in Nashville, and I tried to tell them, well, you never know. Vanderbilt always rises up for Tennessee, even if they're bad. And they're like, no, 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 <laughs> not this Vanderbilt team. <laughs> so they don't want yeah. any part of any sort yeah. of a Vanderbilt upset talk. Uh, so you, you know, then that yeah. that could be a fourth, and then you have to steal one more. Auburn, A&M, or Florida. 
But the thing is, is all three of those teams are playing well. Auburn, you know, Auburn's obviously had some some bad moments and they've been inconsistent and could have very well lost more games that they have. But man, they absolutely dismantled LSU, and we'll see if they yeah. can sustain it. Um, so that wow. might be your your best chance, I think, for a win. And so if you can upset one of those other three big opponents the rest of the way, gets you to 500, yeah. I think it calms the water some, and, uh, and then you, you, know, you put more stock in the next year. If Tennessee loses to Arkansas, then yeah. they'd have to win two of those again, win two games against those three really tough opponents. And I don't see that happening. Uh, with not you know with all the difficult opponents, it's one thing to turn things around against the opponents yeah. that Tennessee did last year. You build momentum and confidence. They don't have uh, the luxury to do that. If they're going to get any confidence or any momentum, it's going to be from this Arkansas game. And if you don't win it, I don't see that happening. So I, from that standpoint, I think it is very important, Roger. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. It's important. It's, it's, I'm with you. It's a very important game. A very important game to win, because like you said, the kids are so. It's important win. And uh, off of this, I want to ask you, well, what's the key? If Tennessee wins this game, what's the key? What's the key? What's the key to you, Tennessee, to win this game? Thank you, Vance. Yeah, the key is yeah. in the win. Well, first, win it. I'm sorry, Roger. First off, it, it, it's a very yeah. basic everything, uh, every game type of thing. But it's turnovers. Tennessee okay. cannot cannot lose the turnover margin. Arkansas has ten interceptions on defense this year. Um, they also uh, have uh, they've also recovered three fumbles. They've turned it over four times in interceptions and have lost three fumbles themselves. So when I mean, they're almost doubling up teams in turnover margin. You can't do it and win this game. And and if, if Tennessee's turning the ball over, especially with interceptions, yeah. then then fans are going to get what they want. They're going to get another quarterback. Um, I, yeah. I don't I don't think Jeremy Pearl will hesitate to do that. So you got to you got to at least be even from that standpoint. And then another thing is they have to be better at defending the middle of the field. Those those uh, slant patterns against Tennessee's star corner. Uh, and even their linebackers, teams are constantly picking on them over and over and over again. And, and Arkansas will do that. They'll run slants and, and try to get matchups with Tennessee's linebackers that are better in, in run stopping than they are in pass coverage. And then also those whatever whether they get a safety on the slot or or a nickel uh, DB with that star, whoever they have to be better there or else. Arkansas is going to get chunks, and and Felipe Franks is going to keep going there. And then the third thing is Franks, and yeah. that's defending the run against Felipe Franks because they will incorporate right. quarterback run and use him, and he's a big body. So if Tennessee is missing tackles, he's going to be able to take advantage of that as well. And we've seen Franks play really well against Tennessee when he was at at Florida. So though there's more than that, but Roger, those are the the, yeah. the first three to me for Tennessee to, to try to win that game. Uh, yeah, and, and, and also, uh, also uh, Vance, uh, do you think that the, the Tano, what, uh, what, what, uh, what, uh, what, what's the key to him? Uh, how good is he had 
how good she had. I know Arkansas not great, but they're better. Uh, 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 so I asked you, what's the key for him? Uh, how good he had? How good he had to be? How good Tano has to be for Tennessee to win this game? You think, Vance? Well, it depends on what they what they let him. Rob, I'm sorry. I think it just depends on what they let him do. You know, they re, they ran the ball seven of the first nine times they were in a third and five or longer against Arkansas. Excuse me, against Alabama. So are they going to be ultra conservative, uh, or are they going to say, "What the heck"? Either he's going to throw a pick, or we're going to make a big play and and get some some positive yardage. What what do they? How do they manage him? So I think that will be part of it. And then the other thing is he has to anticipate throws and throw guys open rather than, like we saw Daniel Jones in the Monday night game, wait too long to throw the football and wait till a guy flashes open. You have to be able to anticipate, and I think that's an area he can get better. But the biggest thing, Roger, is Tennessee, he removes the, the, the wind and the – the chance for Tennessee if he's throwing interceptions. So that sucks the life out of Tennessee's offense. So if he can just protect the ball, I think that at least gives them a chance to scheme their way out of it. And if if that O-line can play like they are supposed to, then they can lean on the run game and then occasionally play action off of it and take your deep shots. But they haven't been great enough on that line, especially in pass protection, to where now you have pressure on Garantano. Now, you know, even though he does have some, some good touchdown numbers against uh, uh, against the, the blitz and, and against pressures, you're also asking for him to hold on to the ball too long and be stripped or, or, or make a bad decision. So the O-line has to help him. But the key to all of it, to have any shot, is not turn the ball over. Our guest, Vince Ferrara. We'll get a break. We have one more segment coming up as Vince joins us, courtesy of our friends at Waters Equipment. This is Sports Talk, a final segment to hour number two next on 99.1, The Sports Animal. Final segment to hour number two of Sports Talk. Vince Ferrara, our guest, brought to you by Waters Equipment. Let's check in with Sandra. Hi, Sandra. How are you? Um, I'm great, gentlemen. How about you guys this afternoon? Thumbs up across the board. Great to hear from you. Good, good. Well, listen, I just wanted to um, hear what you had to say about that. Of course, I've heard some through the week about Dan Mullen and that boneheaded move he made in Florida um, at halftime. But I had a question. I know he got a $25,000 fine, uh, and I, I assume that was for his behavior. But he also had his mask off when he was doing that. And, and there again, a really boneheaded move on his part, considering his team um, has had the issues they've had in the last two weeks. And I was wondering, did that include? Was that included in the twenty-five thousand dollar fine, or was it just across the board for his behavior? Um, I'll um, hang up and listen to you. And thanks again for taking my call, Sandra. Thank you. Uh, I believe that his fine was purely for his actions around the situation that occurred just after the second quarter expired, Vince. Um, but there could be something that gets cited in a future fine for Florida, which 
we've seen them do with other schools. Doesn't mean they will, but I think Sandra makes an excellent point on what the SEC has already fined certain programs for. But uh, what were your thoughts on his actions after the uh, second quarter? I don't fault the coach for looking out for his quarterback, but I thought he went way above and beyond that. Yeah, I agree, and you're right. It was a good point by Sandra. They may be grouping the violators of, of the mask you know, together and then addressing those one by one separately. Um, I, I thought he should have been punished much worse than a $25,000 fine. I mean, arguably a game. I mean, not only that, he's acting like that he didn't know what happened to him. Uh, he didn't see it. Then, then why are you reacting that way? And you need to be restrained if he didn't see anything. Um, and then to sprint out like that, I, I just, wasn't a fan of it. He came back out. He's you know getting the players, the fans fired up, and you know he comes back in a costume or whatever. So I just wasn't a fan of of any of it. I didn't buy any of his story. So I think it, he got off very easy, and it's good that they the players defended their their player. But you don't want it to escalate to that. And I think he was a key reason why it did get to that level. Let's go ahead and work on a, a quick call from Mark, who joins us next. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Mark. I just had a quick question. Do you think Jeremy Pruitt's job is in jeopardy for coming back next season? I know this is his third season, but do you think his job is in jeopardy for next season? What do you think, Vince? No, no, no. It's it's year three. Um, I mean, there have to be, like, massive controversy plus, like, a two- or three-win season and something beyond just the results, but – it, it the the seat gets warmer um, if he has a you know two or three win season coming off of what happened last year. But no, I know there's that contract extension. Uh, but F- Tennessee and Philip Fulmer are going to be more patient than the fans are, and that was the case with Butch Jones and probably a lot of coaches around uh, you know in the past where the university won't have the same timetable as the fan base. With fans, yeah, they'll they'll be. There'll be plenty that will, will want to move on and made their make their determination. But Jimmy, I don't, I don't think he loses his job after after this year and and almost any circumstance. Like I said, barring any sort of massive controversy. Yeah, I assume that's what Mark meant about losing his job. He meant this year, not after next year. Uh, if right. they go four and six this year and follow that up next year with a five and seven, it's going to be hard to keep him. But no, I I don't right. think it matters. This year, if it's bad, this year would kind of set the table for the hot seat next year, in my opinion. Ironically, ma- ironically, massive controversy. One of the many band names Vince Ferrara was a part of in his college days. <laughs> Vince, we've got. Uh, let's see, we've got um, in the cage MMA radio coming up Thursday at eight o'clock after Coach to Coach, and you have the first round of the playoffs on Friday. What can we look forward to? Yeah, looking forward to that uh, high school game. Coach Don Mahoney and I will have Morristown East at Central. Excited to go there. Another one of the many 5A state title contenders we've got here in the area. And um, and the kickoff, remember, for those playoff games is at 7 o'clock. And then on In the Cage MMA Radio with Tim Loy and myself, we'll be joined by Eric Turner, who is the president of Valor of Fighting Challenge. He's also the coach of Ovin St. Peru. We'll talk about OSP's next fight coming up in December, and uh, he'll stick around with us throughout the entire show and get his thoughts on the light heavyweight division and the UFC and a lot more. So uh, that'll be a, a fun treat to have him and his insights throughout the entire show, 8 to 9 every Thursday night here on the Sports Channel. 
Vince, we always appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys. Have a great one. Thank you. That's Vince Ferrara brought to you by Waters Equipment. Up next, we look forward to being joined by Trey Schaap with a look at the Razorbacks. This is Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal.